Hi, Gaggle listeners. Today's interview was recorded remotely on Zoom. You might hear some dips and blips in the conversation, so bear with us. It didn't take freshman Congressman Juan Siscomani long to draw attention in Washington. The Republican who took over a Tucson-based seat from retired Democratic Representative Ann Kirkpatrick prominently threw his backing for the House Speakership to Kevin McCarthy when three of his fellow Arizona Republicans had misgivings. For what purpose does the gentleman from Arizona rise? Madam Clerk, I rise to nominate Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. McCarthy rewarded Siskamani's loyalty with a coveted seat on the House Appropriations Committee. It was only last year that Siskamani made his first run for office, narrowly defeating former state Senator Kirsten Engel to win a seat in the House of Representatives. But his name is already being kicked around in some corners as a Republican to watch in next year's U.S. Senate race or in the 2026 gubernatorial race. These are heady times for the former advisor to Governor Doug Ducey. Siskamani delivered the Spanish-language response to President Biden's State of the Union speech last month. He's pushing bills to relieve backlog on disability payments to veterans and create a fourth national park in Arizona. Welcome to The Gaggle, a politics podcast by the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. I'm your host, Ron Hansen. I cover national politics. And I'm Mary Jo Pitzel. I cover state government for the Republic. This week, we're talking with Republican Congressman Juan Siscomani. Congressman, welcome to The Gaggle. Thank you so much for having me on, Ron and Mary Jo. It's, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I've made it a priority to communicate with my constituents here in the district, uh, even when I'm in Washington. I've done uh, national interviews, but every time that I'm going to deliver some good news, I always prioritize our local friends first and our networks here, and then I go on to to the rest of the networks. I think it's important whether I'm here in the district as I am right now or to be over in Washington, D.C., it's always important to be communicating. To say it's been a busy couple of months is probably an understatement, Congressman. What about your move from private citizen to congressman has surprised you the most? You know, besides the jet lag and the time zone difference and all, all the obvious things that you would know about, you know, I, I like to say that being in Congress is a little bit more of everything, more the good is actually better than I thought and the challenges are harder than we ever thought. Uh, Washington is is however you, you imagine it, just a little more. It reminds me of when my little one, our third, we have six kids and our third started going to kindergarten. And I asked him, hey, buddy, how was school after the first couple of days? And he says, oh, I love it. And I'm like, really, what's your favorite part? And he said, leaving. So, you know, that's <laughs> reminds me a little bit of Washington. What's your favorite part? Coming home. Coming home is my favorite part. But I, I, I've seen a lot of uh, good bipartisan work being done, uh, a lot of new energy, and, and I'm really excited to be there. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's an honor and, and a privilege to be representing my community there. Well, speaking of your community, you represent a district that is along the southern border. Speaker McCarthy recently toured the border along with a number of members. President Biden recently announced tougher rules on seeking asylum. But is there a sense of inertia gathering around doing something about border security, even in these divided congressional times? 
This is an issue that usually falls apart in a partisan stalemate. Do you sense that there's anything that can be done that will pass a Democratic Senate and Democratic White House that you can be a part of? I do stand that there's a, a real appetite for this, and that's because of where the public is. Uh, when I ran my campaign, this was one of the major issues. You all know part of my story. I was born in Mexico in Hermosillo, Sonora, and I came here as a young kid to Tucson. My family immigrated here. My dad worked as a bus driver for TUSD first and then Suntran. So I've lived the process of becoming a citizen. So I know this process firsthand. And that's a border issue when you talk about immigration. Another border issue is trade and commerce and tourism that our community thrives on. That's another border issue. And border security is another border issue, of course, with fentanyl crossings and drug trafficking and human trafficking. But these are all three separate issues that in some ways they overlap. But when we try to cover them all under one single approach, that in my mind is when we start losing support. So if we can focus around the area of border security, that we could all agree on that there are some really bad actors out there trying to hurt our community. Fentanyl now is the leading cause of death among young people in Pima County, surpassing car accidents for the first time in history. This is not a political statement. This is a fact that is impacting families. As a dad of six, if something keeps me up at night, is the safety of my own kids. And that is the approach that I'm bringing to Congress, thinking through things as a dad of six that wants to make things better for the family. So I, I believe that there are people on both sides of the aisle that feel the same way. So when we're able to be disciplined and focus on this issue of border security and attacking the really bad actors and their activities of human trafficking and drug trafficking on the border, we can come to some consensus here. And I, I'm optimistic about it. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And this is a tall order, but I, I feel like we're in good shape here. Is there anything specifically that you think that the Biden administration or the Schumer-led Senate can agree on, that you all can shake hands on, and any aspect of border security that you would be willing to put your name next to? Sure. I think there's a couple of things here, Ron. One of them is the enhancement of technology. This is something that we keep hearing over and over again from our Border Patrol agents, but also from our ranchers on the border. They've mentioned many times that all the physical stuff that we have out there and even the personnel and the and the increased number of agents help. But without the proper technology around them, then they really can function at the same level that they could with, with proper investment in technology. So that's one that we could all get behind, I think, increasing the number of agents, of course. And one of the other things that I was just talking to a group right now of uh, Spanish-speaking business owners they are equally concerned as much as anyone else about this situation. And it was very interesting to see a group of people that I would say 90% of the room were immigrants from Sonora, the, the same way that I am. And they were calling for tougher security against the bad actors on the border because they can differentiate between people like them and like me that come here to look for a better life and those uh, cartel members that are really doing harm to our community. So really targeting efforts against uh, the, the really bad actors is another one, and it's enforcing the laws that are in place. I keep hearing from Border Patrol agents when I ask them, so what are things that Congress could do? And in many ways, they want to have their hands untied by this Biden administration that they haven't been able to freely enforce the laws that are currently on the books, and that has caused the situation to get to the level where it is today. So it's, it's investment in technology, investment in more personnel, and also being free on the agents to apply the actual law. 
Congressman, you've arrived in D.C. as the debt ceiling debate is going on, something that we've seen in past years. If the ceiling is not raised, that would authorize Treasury to borrow for the spending that's already agreed upon in the federal budget. House Republicans, many of them, have made it clear that they won't raise the borrowing limit without major changes in spending. And the White House says it's not going to negotiate on this issue. A default could unleash chaos into the global financial markets. So how does this end? Well, that's a great question. And the way that it has to end is that we all have to come to the table as adults that we've been elected to do our job and negotiate. The debt ceiling increase is something that we're going to need to do. It's something that is that we're not going to default on our obligations as a federal government. We're going to protect and strengthen Medicare and Social Security. These are off the table when it comes down to adjustments and spending that we need to do. So these are important things to, first of all, lay on the table. But to have one side of a negotiating body to say that I will not negotiate and it has to be my way or the highway, that's not showing good spirit in this. This is something that both Democrats and Republicans, the White House, the Senate, and the House, we have to come together and come to a conclusion. We don't assume that one side is going to get everything that they want. But I think we can agree around these areas, again, of protecting our seniors and strengthening our economy and putting forward policies that are not going to continue to get us into this hole. Listen, we're not going to tax our way out of this uh, out of this hole. And we're also not going to cut our way out of this. The hole is pretty deep. And this is not somewhere that we're going to be out of it in the year. That's a realistic stance on this. But we are able to take some measures that add responsibility to the spending. The last time that the debt ceiling was raised was the highest and the, the largest raising of the debt ceiling. And we also reached that limit the quickest in history. So you had the biggest increase ever, and we reached it at the quickest level ever. The spending in Washington is completely out of control. That's one of the points that I mentioned. When you think that there are some things that are bad, it's actually worse than we think in terms of how some people are just drunk with the need to spend money and do it in a way that it's not getting us to where we need to get to. Some of the areas that we can adjust, of course, that's where we have to come to the table and we have to have a conversation and negotiate with the president and obviously the Senate. But you know, the House has the power of the purse. This is where the money bills get started. And I'm in the Appropriations Committee, the only Arizonan on this committee and the only freshman as well. So I carry a lot of weight on my shoulders on this one. Then we're ready to talk to the president about it. Well, what specifically do you think should be cut? It sounds like you've ruled out the entitlement programs, Medicare and Medicaid, Social Security. Where do the cuts come? Well, you have, of course, mandatory spending that come and play with these programs that we mentioned. And there you have the discretionary spending that is actually between both. The discretionary spending is less than the mandatory spending. This is where we can actually basically adjust. And that's what we need to do. When one side says there's no conversation, we just want to increase the debt ceiling, that's not a responsible approach to do this. We have different ideas that we're all considering, and that's where the conversations need to come in. Congressman, as you noted, you are the only freshman who was named to the Appropriations Committee. That's one of the most powerful committees in Washington. What are your priorities for Arizona and for your district in particular from a budget standpoint, especially given that you're talking about an austere environment where some of this discretionary spending is involved? Good question, Ron. Listen, to that. this is where big picture we have to look at where the overall money is going 
happening and it's being spent. My main job and responsibility as the only Arizona on this appropriations committee, and you remember that Jim Colby was also part of this committee when he was in Congress, this same district. So we kind of carry that legacy in this district. Kirkpatrick was on that as well as the previous member. So what we're used to in Southern Arizona to carry the voice of the state really on this issue and appropriation. So my priority will always be CD6, my constituents, and also looking at the lens of Arizona. One of the big priorities that I think as a state we can get around is a widening of the I-10. Not only am I the appropriations committee, but I'm also on three subcommittees, and one of them is on transportation and housing. This is where we can have some influence on this matter of the I-10. There are other roads that need attention. There are ports of entry for our trade with Mexico that need attention as well. I'm also on the financial services and government affairs subcommittee, which is where the funding for the ports of entry come in. These are all investments that would produce a large return on investment on these because when you widen the I-10, it helps on security, it helps on transit, it helps on trade and so on. So this is a good investment for our state. We were going to get our bank for a buck there. And then on the ports of entry renovation and uh, updating on the ports specifically in the Nogales area and also in Douglas and the two port solution there, these are all good investments that would help our trade. And of course, that enhances the state as well. So th these are two of the priorities that I would have on there in terms of investments in our state, coupled with, of course, responsible way of looking at any spending. Well, what about some of the defense operators in your district or funding for the A-10, for Davis-Monthan Air Force Base? Are those areas that need more attention from the Appropriations Committee in terms of increases, or does that fall into the negotiating area over the debt ceiling? Well, to be honest with you, every area is on the table on, on this issue, you know, minus the ones that I explained regarding the mandatory spending around Medicare and Social Security. They're not part of this conversation. I'm going to repeat again because there are very strong attempts to paint all of us, specifically me and others, in a way that is untrue regarding our stance on this. So I want to, that's why I've overemphasized this issue. That's not part of this conversation. But on the defense side, that's, of course, in the discretionary spending. And nobody can argue that there isn't mismanagement of funds in every area on the discretionary side of things. So I think there's ways definitely that we can tighten it up while prioritizing defense in a way that keeps our country safe and our national security strong. And of course, being here in CD6, where we have not only DM Air Force Base, but we also have Fort Huachuca in Sierra Vista. These are two strong military installations, one on cybersecurity, on intelligence that is Fort Huachuca, the Army base. And then we have, of course, the A-10s being flown out of uh, Davis-Monthan. There have been talks about the future of the A-10s for a long time. My job is the same job that we've had of other members before. And there'll be a strong voice on this that we need to have a replacement for the A-10 immediately to come in if that's going to change the plan of the A-10. So we're going to continue to advocate for defense for national security reasons, but also because all this has a direct local economic impact here in CD6. So I'll be a strong advocate for that. At the same time, we're going to make sure that every area on this side of discretionary spending gets looked at. Congressman, we have a U.S. Senate race in 2024. Your name has been mentioned as a possible Republican contender. Is there any chance that you would run for the Senate next year? 
Ron, I, I keep telling people that I, I just figured out where all the bathrooms are in the Capitol kind of thing. You know, I, I got I'm finding my way around that place. I enjoy what I'm doing. I think there's a lot of good work to do on the House. I have no plans to run for the U.S. Senate. My constituents and the people here electing me to do a job in the House, and that's what I'm planning on doing. I am enjoying it. It's more challenging than I ever thought it was going to be, but that's exactly what motivates me to keep doing a good job at this, keep showing up to work. I'm excited about the first two bills that I introduced last week around veterans. Going back to your questionnaire, Joe, as well, of our defense community, no better representation in our community than our veterans. And we introduced this bill to make sure that our veterans, their appeals on the disability side of things get sped up and we can hire more attorneys and incentivize uh, young attorneys to come work for the VA, more like a Teach for America concept kind of thing that they can come in and actually invest their talents into the VA and help our veterans get answers on their disability claims. This is the kind of work that I'm very proud about. And on the conservation of this side, we have, of course, uh, the making the uh, Chiricahua a national park. That's a big deal for our state. That would become our fourth national park, the 64th in the entire country. And, and I'm proud to be leading the way with that, on that with both Senators Kelly and also Cinema. Both of these bills, I may add, are bipartisan. This is how we have to do work in the way that advances our state and in that advances what we want to do. So this is the work that I'm very excited to be working on. And I have no intentions of going anywhere else. This is what I was hired to do. This is what I'm going to stick to. Congressman, we appreciate your time and we'll let you get back to work. If our listeners want to follow what you're doing in Congress, where can they find you online or on social media? The best way to look for us is going to be, of course, in all the social media platforms. Look for Juan Siscomani or Congressman Siscomani. You'll be able to find us. And not a lot of Siscomani's in Congress. So that's going to be an easy one to find. And also for the website, you just go to siscomani.house.gov and you should be able to find us. And I do encourage everyone to visit the website and sign up for the newsletter. We have a newsletter that we send out. Last week also, we got this thing where I just did a short minute and a half video before I headed back to the district on the activities. I am attempting to not only communicate, but over communicate. I want to make sure that I'm responsive to you all when you call, that people know what I'm working on and that people know what we're doing. And it's it's all transparent. And I want to make sure that people know that they've got a, a normal guy from Tucson that is representing our community that I still drop off my kids to school when I'm here in the district. And I'll see you guys at Costco or Safeway or the grocery store because that's where I spend my time. You, you'll see the guy with the full cart because I've got six kids. So quite a lot of food to, uh, to feed these guys. So thank you so much, uh, Ron, Mary, Joe. It's uh, always good to talk to you both and I look forward to doing it again. Thank you. Thank you for your time. That is it for today, Gaggle listeners. Do you have questions about Arizona's political landscape? Send them our way. You can leave us a voicemail at 602-444-0804 or email us at thegaggle at arizonarepublic.com. That's one word all spelled out. And because we're a podcast, we would love to hear your questions. Your message just might make it into one of our future episodes. Be sure to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. You can find me on Twitter at Mary J. Pitzel. That's P-I-T-Z-L. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen. That's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Kaylee Monahan. You can find her on Twitter at Kaylee 
Monahan. That's K-A-E-L-Y-M-O-N-A-H-A-N. Thanks for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. We'll see you next week.